What does true wellness mean to you? I'm Claudia Cometa, and that is the question I will be leading with in the Minding Wellness podcast. Each and every week, I will bring you experts who will share their personal wellness journeys and their insights into what it means to mind our wellness. Health is a state of body. Wellness is a state of being. Let's dive into improving our state of being. Welcome to this week's podcast episode on minding wellness. I'm really excited to bring you Jeff Garner. Jeff has designed for and dressed Giselle, Taylor Swift, the Jonas Brothers, Rihanna, Cara Delevingne, Susie Cameron, and other artists. He recently won an Emmy for his sustainable documentary, Remastered, produced by Design Sensory Productions. The documentary shows Jeff's journey to bring awareness to the hazards of fast fashion and his fight against the use of toxic materials in our garments. When not designing sustainable garments, you can find Jeff surfing or on horseback. He surfs twice a day religiously and gets on a horse whenever possible. He is fueled by meditation and acai bowls. He literally eats acai bowls for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we had a really great conversation. I admitted to my ignorance in this industry at the very beginning and really wanted to learn as much as I could from just an amazing voice in this space. And before we get started with Jeff's insights, I did want to share a few stats for those of you who this might be new for as well as it was for me. This is from greenamerica.org. Currently, there's approximately 20% of industrial water pollution coming from textile manufacturing. Textile dyeing is the second largest polluter of water globally. The fashion industry alone emits 10% of global carbon emissions, more than all international flights and maritime shipping. I mean, just take that in for a second. The fashion industry alone emits 10% of global carbon emissions, more than all international flights and maritime shipping. And 43 million tons of chemicals are used in textile production every year. Now, we don't necessarily spend a large amount of time in this episode talking about the impact on the environment, although that's extremely important to Jeff and to us as well. We definitely dive into that a bit, but then also talk about how it's impacting us as we put on these clothes that are utilizing these chemicals, dyes, etc. So really enlightening. And I do end by asking him some of the practical ways those of us who have been relatively ignorant to this up until now can start to make a shift. And he gave some really great ideas. So I highly encourage that you listen to this in its entirety. And we can all start shifting the way that we purchase and think about our clothing. Here's Jeff. All right. I am so excited for this conversation. I've just loved interviewing so many amazing souls on this podcast. And I just have a really, really extra special feeling about this one. So I'm excited to welcome Jeff Garner. Thanks for coming on, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as I always start the podcast episodes, I would love to know what does true wellness mean to you? 
Yeah, true wellness. I believe it means getting back to the natural state of things. So like in my life, I, I have a mono diet. I eat acai pretty much every day, all day long, ride horses, surf. So it's being just in tune with nature. And I think it gives the ultimate um, energy for a healthy lifestyle, mental state, physical state, um, and spiritual. Mm, I love that. And I did read that about you with the acai. And I think it's really interesting and uh, intriguing because, you know, we've heard of of business people only having the one gray shirt, you know, and taking the the thought <laughs> process out of that. And of course that the shirts tie yeah. into what we're going to talk about, but I love that you sure. know exactly what's going to nourish your body and that you, that includes nature and that includes the surfing and it includes what you're consuming and that it, it doesn't have to be complicated. You make it super simple. So no, not at all. Five minutes to make five minutes to eat. Don't think about what you're eating every day. It's great. Save yeah. so much time. Yeah. I love that. I feel like the listeners are going to love that too, because simplicity always, I think, speaks to the human soul. So, all right, fabulous. Yeah. Let's dive into your background. So talk to us a little bit. This is an industry that I am a little bit ignorant on, well, a lot ignorant on. And so I would love to just kind of dive into your background, how you got into the fa fashion industry and um, kind of what trickled you into the work that you're doing now. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. I feel like I should have two expressos this morning to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> I talk um, fast. Before we started yeah, recording, I told I told Jeff, it's, <laughs> it's kind of in the Italian genes and maybe a little bit of espresso, but. <laughs> yep. I needed that cappuccino. All right. So backstories. I, you know, I grew up in Tennessee, horse farm. Um, my grandmothers were both amazing, beautiful people. One was up in the Smoky Mountains and she organic had organic gardening. She would cook for like 200 people every Sunday afternoon. Um, Dolly Partner was one of her friends and she was just like this beautiful being of hosting and family and love and, and just, you know, always outside, raise your kids outside. So I learned that example and then she taught me to sew. And then my other grandmother was in Oak Ridge, Tennessee and a scientist background. And my grandfather was a scientist. So I kind of grew up inventing things with him and, you know, again, mixing that in with sewing. And then when I got of teenage years, I would sit in my room and take apart stuff and put it back together. And, you know, this was the eighties. So it was an interesting time fashion wise. And then I started designing for all my music buddies out of Nashville because they were wanting me to be in their band, but I was shy. I did not want to be on a stage at any point. Um, so that's when I started, yeah, doing the back end of trying to connect a musician audible to a visual um, in their stage clothing because I felt there was a disconnection and or not an appreciation for that. So, um, so yeah, that's how it began. So when I got into development and production, I learned very quickly how dirty and chemically synthetically driven everything was in the industry, obviously because of convenience factor and cheapness. So it's like cooking today, you know, um, cheap ingredients obviously are easier to come by and, um, and easier to throw out. So hence the, you know, the pollution we have with all our dye waters, et cetera. So when I started learning more about it, just my natural state of mind and thinking was, well, this is going to hurt the farm, the beautiful country I grew up in by polluting. So either I have to figure out a different solution in this or I have to stop doing it because it doesn't match my ethos. And so that's began this long journey of discovery of textiles to plant-based dyes to um, 
you know, just learning uh, manufacturing and all that and how to do it in a very low impact way. And uh, yeah, so that was the, uh, the beginning of this. I love those descriptions. I really like, I want to know your grandmother, the 200 people every Sunday afternoon. I feel like I want to be there with the horses and the, and it just sounds yeah. so amazing. You were extremely well descript in that. And I, I just, I love it. Um, okay. So you get into this industry and you're noticing that um, it doesn't, I love the alignment with your ethos. Um, and so tell us what specifically you're finding. Cause I'm thinking, you know, the people who are listening might be thinking, wow, I didn't even know I should have to even worry about my, you know, we're already worrying about so many things, what we're consuming. And I didn't realize that now this is another thing I should even consider. So what exactly are you finding? And maybe that means, you know, what types of chemicals, what concerns, what illnesses did you kind of notice are connected to this? So what exactly are you finding out? Sure. Um, And let me start by just simply saying it's, you know, to find absolute proof in science is nearly unattainable. Um, So all these, you know, things in which I'm going to introduce or what I've discovered and or what I've studied or other past, um, you know, uh, basically case studies, et cetera. So, you know, the gist of it is uh, the synthetics and that are like the textiles, for example, um, they all basically have formaldehyde in it, which is the staining power so it's like the glue, for example. So it used to, you know, it's found in our foods, it's found in our car seats, the polyesters, you know, it allows everything to kind of stay together. And it's, uh, you know, one of the main corporates that off gas, you know, and, you know, but you're dealing with nylon, right? So, and polyester and specifically, I, I don't know how specific you want to get, um, the gist of it is these fabrications were created back 1935, 1940s, and they were developed by chemical companies. Like Nylon was 1935 by DuPont. Um, and essentially they were there to serve a purpose. They were biomimicry. So they were taking the place of the natural fabric because at that time during the war, they were running out of these fabrics for certain needs. Why, you know, whether it was army uniforms or whether it was silk for the parachutes, so it came from a place of need. So they were developing laboratories for that need. What happened was these fabrications trickled into fashion shortly after because they were already created and, and cheaply produced, manufactured. So what we did, we moved into, and this is my grandparents' generation, we moved into introducing these fabrics at a lower price point. So obviously everybody decided they like constant exposure causes acceptance. At first, you know, your my grandmother would touch a fabric and be like, no, that's not good. I'm not going to buy that. So because they were still trained in the natural fabrics is the best thing. And then our parents' generation were introduced to these polyesters and nylons. And they didn't know they were like, well, everybody else is wearing it. You know, 70s was all about polyester, butterfly collars and da, da, da. So, but they never studied the synergy of effect of what happens when you put these fabrications on your body. And with the, without getting too much into the science of it, so the the dyes themselves are petrochemical based, and so it basically these synthetic fabrics aren't porous in nature, so there's no breathability, and these synthetic dyes and fabrications that are full of these chemicals that are some are toxic, 
obviously are going to have an impact to your body because you put them on your body. So our bodies, our skin is very permeable and it was never designed to have anything on it. If you think back in time, we were designed to be basically nudist way our systems, you know, designed. So obviously you have a major impact happening because there's no filtration system for the skin. So everything's going straight in. Um, and this, my mom basically developed breast cancer at a young age when I was a teenager. So that again, led me to like, okay, why is she so, she's so young and beautiful and eats off the farm. Why is she developing this? So, you know, and there's been obviously different theories of what you put in your body affects your, you know, health, obviously, but you have your kidneys, you have different filtration systems in your body that kind of handle anything we put inside, but there's nothing, you know, what we put on our breast, you know, as a bra made of nylon polyester, well, there's no protection and then you have your fatty tissues there that kind of soak in everything. And then there's no um, movement and most bras are very restrictive. Um, and so then you don't have your, you know, the system that's used to design to move out these toxins isn't allowed to work. It's like a, you know, a clock that you need to, that you don't wind up. That movement actually moves things out. Um, so obviously the lymphatic system, that's what that is. So that's not working. And then you're just kind of, because of the non-breathability, obviously it warms up. So therefore things are, you know, basically baking, so to speak. So there are all these correlations and you look at the timeline of history when these fabrics are introduced and then you look at how often women were wearing bras. So obviously during the war and after the war, women were working more in the workforce. They were taking over factory jobs and obviously they were wearing bras more because they're outside the home. And then you see these correlations of breast cancer on the rise. So, and it's the same with men. You have these polyester and iron boxers that actually create the static electricity down there, which is obviously not a good thing. And your prostate area, your scrotum is the most permeable area as well. So again, you know, grandfather was wearing wool boxers and or cotton. And then, you know, dad's generation started wearing synthetics. And then my generation, it's all about the kind of Calvin Klein's a nice stretchy, very skinny and tight fit, that modern look. So, but again, nobody's studying the synergy of effect. So I don't know if that helps kind of paint the picture a bit. That's it's perfect. It's like when I was talking to um, a recent guest on sourcing of food and I was like, I want to burn my whole pantry. I'm, I'm like getting to the point now. Like I want to burn my whole closet. down. <laughs> okay. But we'll get, we'll get to the, some of the better options and some of the things. Yeah, that we please, can... please don't burn it. It'll release everything. <laughs> that would be, a, I know Then I was thinking that would, that wouldn't be good either for the ethos or me. So, um, okay. So as I'm, you know, I asked a similar question that I'm about to ask you to my guest who was talking about food sourcing. And that is, I think that there may be a sense, some sense in the public eye that Okay, somebody, I'm sure somebody's looking out for me. Somebody's managing these, you know, the yeah. accountability and regulation of chemicals. Um, right. What is the understanding that you have of the the accountability or responsibility or regulation or lack thereof for the fashion industry, the textile industry? I've been in the industry 18 years. I've never seen it or heard about it. I mean, simply I could go tomorrow, make you a pair of denim jeans and I could say it's 
basically made of anything and from anywhere and sell it to you or put it on a shelf at a store. There's no individual or agency that's going to sit there and regulate that. I mean, obviously, you know, that's a huge undertaking as far as like labor intensive to be able to do all that. Um, you'll see certifications from companies, corporate, you know, fashion companies, et cetera. I've been to the factories in China. I've seen these certifications saying X, Y, and Z is covered. And then you see the, you know, the dye water being dumped in the Pearl River. So, you know, I've seen it firsthand because I wanted to know, like, is there any regulation? Um, and it, the reason why it's such an open market is because we are manufacturing, producing, you know, in these countries that don't have these heavy manufacturing regulations so they can dump the dye water and or, you know, pay cheap labor to sew up these garments at a certain price point because these bigger companies, I won't name names, that do fast fashion, et cetera, are all about low price points, go in and beat up these factories and say, you got to deliver it X dollars. So these poor factories are getting pressed so thin so they can only pay workers X and then they don't have any money left over to do a recycling um, for the water or the fabrications or anything like that. So everything's just kind of tossed. And then, you know, the best way to do it is like, say you're cooking, you're Italian, so you're cooking. So it's easier to kind of throw away the recipe and then start from the beginning of the recipe than to kind of remeasure and reapply what you need to make it continue. And I'm speaking specifically like the dye water. So these dye vats are created and could be created out of plant-based pigments. And, but that takes somebody watching that takes like a cook, a head chef to kind of figure that out and to apply it. And obviously that's going to be more time consuming and more expensive. So you understand why they just use the quick synthetic dyes and just toss it in the river. But there's definitely no regulation. The Pearl River flows like a river of tar down there. And, um, and obviously that's in Xingtang, that's in the region right outside of um, Hong Kong where a lot of the manuf denim manufacturing is done and whatnot. So you can throw a match on it and the whole thing will light up. Um, the starch in denim actually sucks the water, uh, sucks, sorry, sucks the oxygen out of the water. So everything in that river dies. And then, like I said earlier, the petroleum-based um, synthetic dyes obviously are full of oil and other you know, chemicals that are obviously highly, um, you know, um, I mean, they just catch fire. So usually it's, I had a, um, I did a wedding gown and jacket for a gentleman a couple of years ago in Tennessee. And interesting, she left the wall heater on and her dress caught fire and everything around um, his jacket was made of hemp. Everything around his jacket burned. His hemp jacket got a little singed. So interesting um, because plant-based dyes obviously will not have that um, same issue. But yeah, I, it's, it's, you know, I don't know where you want to go, how much you want to expound on it, but no, I think that's perfect. I think what you okay. shared is, is perfect because um, you know, I, I do think that there is some 
you know, hope, even if it's a blind hope that, well, I mean, I can't possibly be an expert in everything. So surely no. some regulating body is watching out for this for me. Right. And, it, and it's not, I mean, it was the same thing with food when I talked to the guest on that. Um, so talk us through, okay, you start to identify some of these concerns and, and this doesn't align, this doesn't align with, you know, where you came from, how you feel you're connected to the earth. And so you start to make the process of changing. And so how do you start learning? I, I think I did read or watch that you spent some time in Italy. So what, how do you start learning how to do this differently when it's not really being modeled on a large scale? Well, it's like everything else. You dive into, you know, what makes things up, how they're done. So the fabrications, you look at, you know, the processing of that. So, you know, there's a lot of entry levels, uh, fabrications like bamboo and everybody asks, Jeff, is that good? I'm like, well, the tensile strength of bamboo it's not great, so it'll get holes quickly. If you have a 100% bamboo t-shirt, for example, it'll start like falling and limping on a hanger. Um, it is entry level because it's it's a cheaper one to, to grow quick. Um, but the processing of taking it from bamboo to fabrication, what does that look like? There's obviously a lot of chemicals in that. So again, it blows consumers' mind. They're like, okay, I hear what Jeff's saying, but is, you know, like you said, is there hope? You know, the hope is that you look at, like, what is the most natural, you know, fibers out there. There's hemp, there's organic cotton, there's flax, there's linens, um, and so silks. So you look in that category, you stay in that category of natural fabrics. And then you got to worry about, okay, it's like, okay, I have this beautiful wall. Now what am I going to paint with it? So you don't want to take that beautiful natural fabric and then paint it with a synthetic dye. So you want to find something that's whether not dyed and or dyed with, you know, there's low impact dyes are introducing now in the industry that are water-based. So to take out some of the heavy metals that are used, which are toxic. So if you ever seen, you know, runners, they run in t-shirts and they're underneath their arm is discolored. Well, obviously it's an interaction between the dyes and their synthetic t-shirt mixed in with the, the aluminum and their deodorant. So those are two metals kind of creating that chemical reaction. Um, and then you get into like, okay, well, that's a better option than what's introduced. And obviously you can, you know, play around with your own dyes at home, which it's harder than what it looks like with plant-based. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, vegetable dye. Well, yeah, you could do that. But vegetable dyes, a lot of, they don't have the stain power, so they'll wash out. So that's why I use the plants because you can imagine, you know, that, um, you know, the color of plants obviously is gorgeous, but it's based upon, you know, the energy of the sun's process of photosynthesis. And that's what you're basically using that vibrant color and power, which, you know, is basically antioxidants and you're putting that into your fabrication. So it's going to obviously be stronger and stay longer, um, and then, yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, I think that that's, yeah. I think that's great. I, you know, this is again, something that I was very ignorant to. Um, I find it fascinating, you know, as you were talking about the timeline of when things started to change and like your grandmother, you know, our grandparents generation starting to notice the shift. And like for us, you know, I think about our generation and you know, we don't know any different. So I, you know, it's very status quo. And I, and so when I read the work that you do, I was like, you know, I'm so, 
I'm so attentive and, and trying to be super vigilant about all of the ways we are impacting our wellness. And this is really not even one that came to mind. So it's all very enlightening for me. It's all very new for me, but I think it's a really important conversation to have because who else, I don't know anybody else talking about this. I'm sure you do because you're in the industry, but for those of us who aren't, I mean, we just go to the store and don't, I mean, I don't, we don't even think about it. You know, we, we pick the mm -hmm. fabric that feels good against our skin, but there's no, there's no further conversation about that. I mean, you know, going back to any of the production of it or, you know, or the harm to the earth. So I think it's really important to have this conversation. Okay. So give us a little bit, you know, there may be some people listening who are thinking, all right, Claudia, you've told, you told us we can't, you know, we have to pay attention to where we source our food and we got to, you know, there's so many things mm -hmm. that now you want me to do. And now I've got to worry about my clothes and I'm overwhelmed. So sure. what are some of the ways for somebody who is not necessarily ready to just sort of, you know, jump in and, and get rid of their entire closet? What, what are some of the just more mindful choices we can make around clothing? Okay. Well, I think the easiest and the first thing once you do is definitely change your detergent. So you got to understand again, another chemically produced, um, you know, Basically, it's, it's driving consumers, so you're creating a liquid form that has a certain smell on it that is designed to clean your clothes. But in that process of whatever that smell may be, which is usually categorized as their secret ingredient, and again, I won't name names of these companies, so you can basically tell what people wash their clothes with. I can tell in the gym, it's off-gassing, you can smell the, the gain or the tide or whatever. So that imagine it's very specifically done they have chemists that develop this so that there is an addiction to the smell so if your mom or grandmother washed with this detergent chances are you will as well um what i ask is that whatever that detergent is i guarantee it if it has such a strong odor it will be heavy laden with these toxic chemicals that again are going to go into your skin and off gas and blah, blah, blah. So the easiest thing to do is go and buy a natural, whether you use borax soap or whether you make your own out of natural oils, or you go to like Whole Foods and buy seven generation products, um, which are great cleaning agents without a lot of that. So that's the first and easiest thing to do um, because it's, it's widely available nowadays. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, look at what's closest to your body. Obviously, it's Intimates. So that's why I developed uh, an Intimates collection called Wolf and Rose because, you know, I'd sit here and talk about these things and I'm doing couture gowns and showing it around the world to bring awareness. But I could not simply just give my guy friends a pair of hemp boxers that I made for myself because, you know, here I'm talking about prostate cancer and they're still wearing their synthetics. So I was like, okay, I'll make hemp boxers and I'll do the organic cotton waistband and here you go, you're set. At least you have that that's covering the most, you know, permeable area. So we got that covered. Same thing. That's why I developed the bra and the underwear for the women as well. So that would be the next thing. And there's obviously other options besides our Wolf and Rose. I just, I like hemp. I think it's the best fabric. It has eight times the tensile strength. It has moisture wicking properties, natural anti-fungal. Anyways, so you can, you know, it's biodegradable. There's no pesticides used in the growing, et cetera. So to me, it's a super fabric. That's why, but it's more expensive. That's why I, I did my intimacy out of hemp. But you can find organic cotton and natural non-dyed um, intimates out there. And then the third and last thing I would say, it's very simple, is your sheeting. 
what you sleep in because you're in the bed, you know, I sleep four hours a night, but most people are six to eight and you're off gassing. Um, that's when your body, you know, moves out a lot of the toxins um, at night because your body temperature rises, you're sweating, etc. cetera. Um, so you want to make sure you're a natural sheeting that's breathable again, because you don't want to have that going back through into your skin. So if you change the detergent, obviously you have a natural detergent with your sheets. So you won't, you know, have that going into your system either. So that those would be the top three for sure. I think that's fantastic. Cause I'm, I'm, you know, I'm diving in with you thinking, okay, I can do that. I can change my detergent. I know where to find seventh generation. I, I would love to say that I'm going to make my own detergent, but that's just not going to happen. Sure. I know where to yeah. find seventh generation. I can, I, I have already looked through the products you're making and we'll talk about that in a second where people can find it. And I've already decided that's going to happen. And the sheets, I, these are, I think these are very practical, doable shifts that we can all make. So um, as far as the sheets go, is is an organic cotton what you would be looking for? Or are there sheeps made out of hemp? I don't I don't know. Um, you know, it's funny. I'm, I made my sheets out of hemp, but I haven't done that, added that to our product line yet, but I'm going to eventually, but I haven't seen any out there yet. There are, somebody told me about eucalyptus the other day. I haven't studied that enough. We have died with eucalyptus leaves but i don't know they're talking about some sheeting i've seen linen um organic cotton is good it the cotton holds water so you know i that's why i'm leaning towards hemp because it's not going to hold on to any moisture so i think for bedding that's better um but yeah i think linen's a good choice flax is a good choice um you know again you'll probably find bamboo out there but i wouldn't naturally choose that um but yeah there's definitely options out there for sure and i've seen um them using like natural indigo for dye and stuff like that but you can definitely find an off-white or just non-dyed version of that yeah that's fantastic i love those options because i think they're doable for everybody listening so mm-hmm. i'm always yeah. into doable okay so tell us a little bit about where we can find the work that you do i know you've got sort of the the couture um you know that you do sort of the gowns and, and such and then you also have what you just mentioned which is wolf and rose for you know just the regular person like me who who doesn't necessarily wear the couture dresses but so sure. kind of tell tell the listeners where they can find the work that you do sure so um the couture is I, the brand is called prophetic and then what i did i created a, a collection called wolf and rose for the intimates and i'm going to start adding like t-shirts and just everyday wear because you know the couture is all about showcasing it getting the awareness out there um doing these shows around the world and getting people to stop stop and think about it talk about it um you know we had giselle wear a hemp dress dye with indigo and she got a lot of coverage with that like giselle wears hemp so that was a good nice synergy of, of showcasing hey you can do things differently so yeah so it's just wolfandrose.com you can find it there um for the intimates yeah wonderful well i will link those to the show notes so everybody can can find it i'm really honestly very um honored and pleased that you came on and that we can start having conversations around topics that just aren't being spoken about just mostly for at least you know me and others that i know out of ignorance because it's not a it's not an industry that we know much about so i'm loving that we're having conversations and and uh talking more about these things so thank you so much for coming on thank you for being so attentive and protective and vigilant 
about the earth and for really diving into your roots and caring enough that we can all now benefit from your knowledge and the products that you're making. So thank you so much, Jeff. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea is just giving back the power of choice, right? We all want to have that education so we can decide for ourselves what we believe or what we don't believe. And so anyways, thank you for being a platform for awareness. A super huge thank you to Jeff for taking the time out of his day to share his insights and knowledge and wisdom in an industry that I wasn't personally super knowledgeable about. And I feel so much more empowered now. And as he just mentioned at the end of the podcast, being able to make an educated choice. And right after we stopped the recording, I went and bought from his website a few pieces of hemp intimates. And I also found some hemp sheet options online as well. So I just want to let you know that this is not difficult to find. His products are at the link in the show notes. And then I was able to find some hemp sheeting. So I think these are things that we can do. And the more that we shift our choices, the more it will shift the industry as a whole. So thank you, Jeff, for helping us to make better choices and mind our wellness. I'll see you here again next time.